to the very first of many episodes of PFL, Pod for Life. I am your host, David Ubbin, cover Tennessee every day uh, at The Athletic. Welcome in my co-host. He'll be here most uh, Monday shows, I guess, uh, and we'll see moving forward. But uh, So I guess we'll say part-time co-host, Joe Rexroad, who needs no introduction, but I'll probably give him one anyway. He's your Nashville columnist for The Athletic. Uh, Joe, thanks for uh, coming on. Thanks for doing this. I'm excited about uh, about this. I, I'm 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 hesitant to know if I'm more excited for uh, our podcast or college football itself, but uh, you know we'll see how that plays out. Joe, uh, welcome in. Well, thanks a lot, David. It's all very exciting, and honestly, I didn't know it was called PFL, but I love it. Did, <laughs> it was that you? Is that you who came up with this? That was a, a that was a, a a joint effort from myself. And John Hayes, our uh, illustrious producer, formerly nice. of the Paul Feinbaum show, now yep. a sole property of the Athletics. So it's uh, we're excited about it, and uh, <laughs> we'll get into. I was going to throw throw to a uh, one of our alternate names uh, later in the show. We, we we ran through quite a few. We put out an open call on Twitter. I think I got two hundred suggestions for show names. PFL, not a wow. Moment. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Listen, Tennessee fans. They're they're legit. They 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 they're passionate. They care about what we do. It's been cool to see. Um, but uh, we settled on PFL. Uh, we we don't have to pay royalties to a random person on Twitter that that sent us a name. <laughs> so so it's good. So Joe, I uh, we got we're what five days, four days away from the season now. Saturday, Georgia State, Neyland Stadium. What do you, what do you want to see? What, what's on your list of, of what, what most excites you and, and what you're going to be looking for the most in Saturday's game? Yeah, you know, I'd like to see a better opponent, but I'm not getting that. <laughs> so, you know, and it is always – I know I've written pieces about this. I'm sure you've had, you have too. Like, you know, how do you watch games like this? Uh, you know, what, what, what can you take away and what should you just kind of leave on the field there? I mean, I think a lot of times – you know, that's the interesting thing because this team to me, so much is it's about the trench play, you know, I think on both sides. I mean, I think that to me, I really like a lot of what else this team has. And that's really where I think we're all focusing our questions on this team. And, you know, with a game like this, those guys are bound to look pretty good. And so that may not mean a lot, but you know, I think obviously in a game like this, you you want to see some of the young guys and, um, you know, see if uh, certainly Garantano is going to be is going to be very interesting. Um, you know, at at and I know we're going to you know talk about this, but at cornerback, you know, a lot of buzz about Warren Burrell. I mean, I wanted to ask you, is he going to be the guy in place of Bryce Thompson? And you know, I'm very interested to see. Him. Obviously, you know, very interested to see Eric Gray and some of these other young guys. I don't know how much you're going to be able to tell about the overall quality of the team from this game, but this is an, an individual scouting game for me. Yeah, I, I will say I would point to, to really three things or two and a half things. One, you know, you touched on it a little bit. You say they might look, you know, they should look good in a game like this, but last year, you know, outside of the uh, FCS game against East Tennessee State, they looked pretty unimpressive against Charlotte, against Utah. That's true. They did not look good. It was ugly. They were getting pushed around a little bit. So if they come out and they're they're really dominating, 
that's a sign of progress, even if it is Georgia State, because they played a few Georgia States last year, and it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest thing you'd ever seen. And and I think, you know, on top of that, what does this offense look like? You know, we still haven't seen that, and and for all the noise and all the the newcomers and all that stuff. You know what is the impact of Jim Cheney? It's you know we've we've sort of talked about this all off season, but seeing it in real life and what this offense really is going to be capable of, you know I think they're going to probably keep it relatively vanilla on Saturday. I think you're going to see some pretty simple stuff and just let guys play. But uh, do we see a little more creativity? Do we get away from the sort of run run pass cadence that had fans really frustrated last year? But then finally, you know the newcomers, we know they're going to have a lot of guys contributing. Um, you know, we, we, I will say one thing that stood out to me from practice on Monday, Elijah Simmons working with the scout team. I did not see that coming. The, the 340 pound freshman, you know, I think mm. ultimately I wouldn't read too much into that because when you have 11, 12, 13, what something defensive lineman that may contribute, somebody has got to be on the scout team. <laughs> um, so I think you might still probably still see him play, but I thought that was interesting. Um, but we know we're going to see the young guys. You mentioned Merrick Gray, you know, Warren Burrell, who I will be shocked if he does not get the start opposite Elante Taylor. Um, Henry To'o To'o, and that's how you pronounce it, folks. To'o Very To'o. Nice. It, it, listen, I, I think people get sped up and it, sound, it starts sounding like To'o To'o. It's, it's just To'o <laughs> To'o. It's, listen, it's, it's not that hard. And I think I, I kind of get a little bit bent out of shape about folks who like don't even try. Like Your name is really... An important piece of who you are. I, I I think it's a little disrespectful that people like don't even try or butcher the kid's name. Maybe that's just me, you know, on my high horse. But it's not that it's not that complex for folks. No, that's fair. Yeah. And honestly, it took me a year to even start with Tua's <laughs> last name. So like, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of a, an offender there. But yeah, I cheated. <laughs> Full disclosure for everyone, I cheated before the show, and I had you say it for me. I think To'o To'o, yeah. That's good. That was good. That was solid. I think you know by it's at least fine. by the end of the season, hopefully fans will will get it and at least at least try. I hear a lot of Henry T these days. It's like <laughs> maybe I I'm, I just find that a little disrespectful, just as a person to person basis. But you know, I think uh, you, you you sort of how good are those guys is the question, not whether they're going to play. We know they're going to play. And it doesn't take long. You know, when you look at guys like, you know, like a Rondell Moore or, you know, you said Tua you watch them play, and you're like, oh, 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 that's how good they're going to be. It pops pretty quick, and it doesn't really matter who they're playing against. The guys that are really going to pop are going to pop. And I'll say, having watched a lot of practice, Henry To'oto'o, he's, he's an aggressive guy. And having watched, spent a lot of time watching him in practice, you know, that's going to be really, really interesting um, because I think he's going to be a really big piece of uh, this defense, and especially with Daniel Batuli out uh, with some torn cartilage in his knee that they had um, uh, surgically repaired, or I guess as Jeremy Pruitt would say, cleaned up for pain. Cleaned management it up. Re- cleaned up for pain management reasons. Uh, mm. You know, uh, I don't think we're going to see him on Saturday. Beyond, I don't think there's a reason to. You know, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. You know, I think he could go if he absolutely had to, but I don't think there's much reason there. Um, but I, I, how good are those guys? Will be very, very uh, interesting, and I think we'll learn a lot. Uh, on Saturday. So big picture, you know, as we go into the season, what are sort of the biggest questions? I, I've, I've picked Tennessee to go seven and five a couple times. But for you, what are sort of the biggest questions through the season um, that, that you have of sort of, you know, not only just this year, but the Jeremy Pruitt era in general um, that, that you really have going into the season? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I really do think this will be a telling year. I mean, look, Jeremy Pruitt, it, it's still early in the process, but there there is uh, uh, historical evidence that year two often, you know, gives you a, a strong indication of of what a of what a coach is doing with the program. It's not, you know, it's not across the board, but I do think that it's critical for the Vols to get to a bowl game, get those practices, get the experience, you know, have some positivity to take out on the recruiting trail. And, you know, they are, they are recruiting well by all accounts, but I think they could probably recruit better. And I think that this is, this is an, every year is important for everything's important too on the recruiting trail. But I do think that the, the performance on the field this season uh, is really important in that way. And I think we, we will know, more about Jeremy Pruitt. Obviously, I think that Jim Chaney uh, is a huge add, should make a big difference. I feel that you know Jarrett Garantano. That's that's the big thing I took away from from Hoover from SEC Media Days. As you can tell, that he's geeked about this, and even just about the ability to go sit in the guy's office and just talk film, and, and kind of made it clear that wasn't that way before and I think he'll have more freedom at the line and I happen to think that you know he can be a really good quarterback I know there's a lot of you know a lot of debate about Garantano's ceiling but I I'm really interested to see if Jim Cheney can unlock him and I, I mean look you're throwing to you know Callaway Palmer Jennings good collection of tight ends I mean he's got you know some weaponry around him good players in the backfield um but again, you go back. I mean, I'm looking at this depth chart, David, and it's amazing. Like all the bold names on both lines, you know, <laughs> all the oars, all the oars and the bolds, and that on the is really line thirteen on the defensive line. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, and and that tells you where things are there, and it, and that, and you know, and this is a line of scrimmage league. It's a cliche, but it's true, and that's where that to me is where the ceiling of this team has to be kept in perspective, you know. I, I think if they get six wins, seven wins in a bowl game, and to me, you know, win the games you should win. I think they've, you know, they've got to, to get things turned around in the Vanderbilt rivalry after three straight blowouts in that series. Um, I mean, last year was just so all over the map, and I thought we were watching something very different after the Kentucky game, and actually we were seeing the last decent football they would play, and. So I think, you know, Pruitt has talked, I, I mean, I, you know, he said consistency a lot. It's very hard to capture in this sport, but but more of it would be a, a positive sign this year to me. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, you know, on that, that seven and five, I think, for one, they're so thin everywhere. A couple injuries and a bowl is not a guarantee. I'd be surprised if they don't make a bowl, but I've said all offseason, if they don't make a bowl – it better be very, very clear why. Uh, if mm-hmm. you lose Garantano, uh, you know you, that's really the biggest piece. But you have a couple key injuries and in spots. You got to play some guys that aren't ready. You can get in trouble in a hurry. Um, but and I've, I've, you know, for those of you who aren't uh, subscribers to the Athletic, I would encourage you to change that. But for those of you who haven't read our stuff, you know, all year, I've written about this several times. I think 2019 for Tennessee is going to be defined by the losses, and uh, that you have. Two unwinnable games, really, Georgia and Alabama. But last year, you had six losses of 25 points or more. If you lose to Georgia and Alabama by 25, 
you know, your program is not in shape to compete with those juggernauts right now. But you cannot be getting waxed by Vanderbilt. You cannot be getting waxed by Missouri. You better be competitive in those games, the South Carolinas, mm-hmm. the Mississippi States. Tennessee, you know, outside of Georgia and Alabama, if you have more than maybe one or two of those lopsided losses, that's a problem. Uh, and so is there that big of a difference between 6-6 six and six and 7-5 and five and 8-4? and four? I don't think really. I think it's it's how competitive are you? You can't go five and seven, um, but six and six, seven and five, eight and four, you know, I, it doesn't really matter. You know, Liberty Bowl versus the Tax Slayer Bowl or whatever. You know, this season is probably not going to go down in Tennessee history. It's about setting up for the future and how good will the Jeremy Pruitt era be? And I think if you want to find the answer to that question, you're going to find it in the losses. Do they have a bunch of competitive losses? And uh, because if they walk in and they're getting whacked around by some pretty average teams, that is not a good indicator uh, for the future of this program. So if you, had to, if you had to put a number on it, Joe, where are you at for, for uh, 2019? Yeah, I think I'm going 7-5 too. I, I, and I think, you know, I think uh, that's, uh, you know, 6-5 and five going into the, to the Vanderbilt game at the end and getting the win at home. Um, and, and I agree with you. I mean, you, you can't. There are two games, and I and some people might say three. I don't agree. I think Florida, and now we've seen Florida now. I still think Florida is a flawed team. I don't think Florida should be regarded uh, at all on the same level of a, of a Bama or Georgia. And I don't think that's a absolute no chance game. I mean, it's a it's a long long odds game, you know, in the swamp. But that's another game to me that you know last year. I mean, you, you made every possible mistake you could make in that game uh, and got embarrassed. You know, that's that's a, an important game to me. It still is a rivalry game, and that's a game that you want to get back to competitiveness at least. But I agree, just at least being, you know, not embarrassing. Um, and that's the thing. Last year you had the, you know, the two wins, of course, that were exciting, and, and you could see a lot of things in those wins that you really liked. But then they kind of got wiped away by some of the terrible performances, especially the way things ended. So that's, again, that's that consistency. And that's, to me, when you are so unsettled up front, you know, that that's hard to, to, to capture. Um, and, and so it will be challenging. There's going to have to be some smoke and mirrors in some of those games. Um, and, and there's going to have to be some, you know, some continuity. You wrote about the offensive line, David. You know, they, they may say, you know, they could rotate all these guys in. I mean, I think you're dead on. You know, how many good teams do that? It's good to have guys who can play mm-hmm. and guys who can come in when people are injured. But you need five who who gel together and do all the little things, um, you know, in lockstep to give you a chance up front. So, I mean, that's really important. And, of course, we, we don't know about Trey Smith yet. And then on the other side, I'm more concerned about the defensive line, although maybe – you know, the fact that, um, you know, Elijah Simmons, who I think we both thought the guy who really could do something, maybe him being on the scout team speaks well of some of the other guys. I don't know. But you know, there's another question there, of course, Aubrey Solomon. I mean, to me, that's a really, really important deal for this team. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, we'll touch on that later. You know, uh, Joe, the second place finisher for the name of this podcast was uh, Rocky Topics. And. Mm. Not bad, not bad. I was that one was that one. I don't remember who sent that in. That was the that was the front runner, until you know the heavens opened up and, <laughs> and, and gave PFL to Mr. John Hayes. 
But it would have been fitting for this one. You know, Bryce Thompson obviously has made a lot of, of headlines over the last couple of days. I got a, a a tip Saturday night, made made a couple calls, and a messy situation, a, a complex situation um, because of two things. You know, first of all, I, I think it should be said, nothing that he, you know, allegedly did can be excused. The police report is, is not great. You know, if you're causing damage to a property, if you are threatening uh, a, a woman that you've been dating, if you are, you know, threatening to shoot up the school, that's a problem. There's no real excuse for that. But I do think it's worth saying this. You know, a, a lot of people look at headlines, and the headline and the words domestic assault imply something that did not happen, um, which is an act of violence toward a woman. Uh, and it's it's a difficult spot to be in, just it's a difficult topic to talk about, because again, if you're threatening a woman, that's obviously not excused. But I had to educate myself on Tennessee state law and when I and, and Saturday night when I had heard you know domestic assault, I'm thinking this is uh, this is not this is not going to be a good situation for him. This is going to be something that, that really um, you know is is going to be a, a huge deal. Um, probably not as big of a story as I had initially thought it might be, but still one that yesterday is on the front rail of ESPN.com. And how many people click through that story? And how many people read what actually happened? I, it's 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 just uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't want to get into the details or or, or uh, guess what's going to happen or weigh in on anything like that. But I think that's just a difficult situation in general. And and from that stance, you know, it's unfortunate because, like I said, he did a lot of things you can't do. Um, but after the, the shoot up the school comment, you likely have a student conduct board that's probably going to be getting involved in addition to legal charges. And then the question becomes, you know, how seriously do they take those words? And I thought Blake Topmeyer of the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel asked a, a perfectly worded question today at Jeremy Pruitt's um, weekly press conference. It really cut to the core of it because in the fish, in the official statement, he does Jeremy Pruitt does reference student safety that it's important. And he asked, you know, does does, does Jeremy Pruitt? believe Bryce Thompson is a danger to those on campus and it's an interesting question but not the most pressing one because ultimately the, the most pressing question is does the University of Tennessee believe he's a danger to those on campus but an ugly situation what, what did you make of that over the weekend Joe yeah and I agree and and this is you've seen this at times also with the term sexual assault um which doesn't you know people may read the headline and maybe it's it's an actual you know a physical assault and, and in this situation again I, you know i think probably people probably got the wrong idea and again not to excuse anything here it's something to take very seriously um it's interesting that this came out i assume you saw the nick saban uh kind of little you know he goes off on his filibusters um, yeah i should i should note that i would say a lot of Tennessee players had retweeted that video uh, since this has become news, which I thought. Yeah, was I mean, it's interesting timing, and I actually I don't even know the context of. of you know, I think it's a pretty old clip that just started circulating. Okay, I don't okay, know exactly, but, but yeah. But, mm -hmm. but you know, it's funny too because I'm actually familiar with the case he was talking about. I you know I covered Michigan State for a long time, covered Saban at Michigan State, but but um, you know I thought he made great points there. It, it, people r rush to up, oh, just get rid of the kid. You know, move on, and I just, I real, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I think even more as I age, David, I'm more and more like, man, you better have 
a really, really compelling reason to do so and probably several chances blown to me, um, you know, before you just discard someone. So, you know, I mean, that's – and I'm just talking about the potential ramifications here. I suspect he'll still be on this team after, you know, whatever length of discipline. But it is something very serious, um, no question about it. <clears throat> it's not something to brush aside or take lightly. I agree that, you know, those words, domestic assault, bring something else to mind, and probably a lot of people will think that about him, and it's unfortunate. At the same time, you, you know, obviously put himself in a bad situation and said some things you can't say. Yeah, it's tough because, like I said, you know, all the things that he did, there's no defending any of that stuff or allegedly did and, and that the police report says he did. But at the same time, like we said, that those two words Im- imply something that is probably more than what he did. And, and, and to your point, you know, another example that I thought was interesting was is Casey Pawhall at TCU. I remember in TCU's early days in the Big 12, I was covering, you know, the league, and, and Casey got uh, arrested. I think it was a DUI and, and some sort of, uh, I think it was a substance abuse charge as well. And ultimately, you know, the easy thing is to, was to kick him off the team. And that's what a lot of people wanted. And, and what Gary did instead was he said, Casey, you're off the team this year. Go to rehab. Fix yourself up. Figure out what's going on. And if you can complete rehab and you can complete all these things, we got a spot waiting back for you. And Casey went to rehab and came back, played uh, another season. And, uh, you know, now he's you got a good job. You know, he's married. He's, he's, he's really reclaimed his life. And I think that – Times like these are defining in a lot of people's lives, and they can go a number of directions. And certainly, you hope the best for any kid. Um, but uh, that's all you can hope is sort of that um, this is a, a situation that that people handle thoughtfully uh, and and handle in a good way. And and we'll see how this plays out. Um, so to move on to sunnier subjects, let's talk about uh, blood clots. <laughs> uh, you know it. This is the, the Trey Smith and Aubrey Solomon situations as well have sort of hung over this this season for the off for the off year or the off season I should say and I, I feel bad for for in Aubrey's case that this hasn't been settled um, I wrote about that um, Monday uh, just about you know people. For a long time, the NCAA was kind of the big bad for Tennessee fans. It was, oh, this NCAA, they're not letting Aubrey play. And, you know, I'm a def- I would say I would, I would probably advocate for a little more player autonomy than, than is currently allowed. Um, but now it's sort of shifted to, you know, Jim Harbaugh has, has, thrown, a, you know, has, has thrown a wrench into this plan. And, and I wrote about how that's probably not what has happened. And, and the NCAA's case you know, and, and how they handle waivers, there's this sort of pervasive myth that coaches at the previous institution can affect it. And there's, I go into some reasons in that piece of why that And there are happened. coaches who believe it. Yeah, there are. Oh, there definitely are. Yeah, Luke Fickle, obviously the most famous <laughs> example. And I thought it was interesting yeah. that Friday, you know, Jerry Pruitt for the first time really expressed some frustration with the situation, but didn't want to pick a fight with, with Jim Harbaugh or really anyone. And, and I think I wrote about how that's probably a wise call you know, considering the real situation. And then obviously Trey Smith, just a difficult deal, um, you know, for him. And we got a, a little more information. I, we got Jeremy Pruitt calling him a game-time decision, but he said, you know, nothing's really changed. The doctors have got a plan. He wants to play. We'll see how that plays out. 
as you sort of have seen this from afar, if you had to say which one of those guys, you know, Tennessee needs more uh, in 2019, I mean, which one would you sort of identify? Well, that's a great question because, you know, I think Trey Smith is probably the most talented guy on the roster. Yeah, I think he's the best so, player on the team. And, and, and a position of severe need. So I, I, I mean, I, I would have to go with him. But I still think that the offensive line could be okay without him. The defensive line, to me, is more questionable. So that, that makes it close to me. Now, at the same time, look, I don't know how good Aubrey Solomon is either. You know, that's another thing to keep in mind here. Um, you know, he transferred out of Michigan. Michigan has a lot of talent. But he has not lived up to his recruiting profile. I just, you know, in that situation, David, I just, I know it, it's it's also cliche to rail against the NCAA, but my goodness, I mean, there's no way that there's a board anywhere that, that explains everything that they're doing with these decisions, right? Because there are, yeah, there are so I, many I, examples of, of outliers. Yeah, I hate all of the, the sort of secrecy. I wish there was more transparency in these processes, and that's what's frustrated coaches, is that no one understands these things. And it's like... Well, now we're talking about all these myths that happen. Well, you know how myths happen or how misinformation happens is when the decision makers don't like handle any of these things in the public. And no one's asking them yep. to say, what's the exact family situation? Why, are you, why do you think you deserve a waiver? Some of those things are more public than others. But ultimately, the lack of transparency and the lack of understanding from everyone involved, coaches, players, administrators, fans, media, everyone, that can say, well, here's why – X got a waiver, and here's why X didn't. I mean, it's just, it's so muddled, and it's so secretive, and so just under a cloud of, of darkness that people get frustrated with that, and no one really knows what's going on. I mean, I asked Jeremy Pruitt on Friday, and maybe he was being not entirely forthcoming. I said, what, what the, what's the biggest reason why we're a week away from... A game, and you know, and you're still not sure. Like, what's been the biggest holdup? And he said, well, I, "I don't know. I'm not on any committees or anything like that." <laughs> and so, uh, I, you know, <laughs> is he being entirely forthcoming? I don't know. But ultimately, it's unfair to him. And I've said that and written that a bunch of times. It's unfortunate that he has to go out and practice every day and not know if he's practicing for a game in a week or 53 weeks. And you know, that's 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 unfortunate. And for those who haven't read your piece, you know, I think Tom Mars really laid out why it's it's kind of silly to think that, you know, the the prior school really has that much say. But obviously, some coaches think so. I mean, Luke Fickle actually complained that you know Michigan wasn't like, you know, enthusiastic about the transfer. You know, I, it's hard to imagine that matters much. But if people want to blame Harbaugh, people blame Harbaugh for a lot of things. At least we can all agree with Harbaugh. At least I do that. You know, the one time transfer idea I think should happen I think will happen I, I feel like there's real momentum for that and that well, would then you don't have to pay the players if you can just take a step to, there you, you take go a step it, autonomy. anything that falls short exactly. of actually having to pay players I think I think the coaches and administrators are gonna are gonna sign off on so yeah I would agree with you <laughs> that's right you know every little autonomy add to the cost of attendance a little bit pay non-rev coaches double the salaries whatever you have to do hide the money somewhere and uh, and everyone's happy, status yeah. quo. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe, I caught flack for my restaurant rankings in Knoxville mm. last week. 
Uh, I'm going to follow agreed. them. A lot of those <laughs> things, places I haven't gone to, but I'm, I'm, I'm using you as my, as my authority. Now, a lot of people agreed with my barbecue take. I thought I was a little bit out on a limb. I was kind of surprised that people agreed with my take that Knoxville just has no good barbecue. They have sweet peas I will eat at, but it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, but I, I stand I- behind Myrtle's as my favorite meal in knoxville i love fried chicken just like everyone else maybe a little more uh but if you've got one meal in knoxville where where are you where are you going joe well yeah i'm not i'm not great for this but sweet peas i I thought was excellent (laughs) i've been to sweet peas a couple times and it's fantastic um boy i i can't tell you i can't think of another place that i was like wow i mean i've eaten at various other places Stock and Barrel is a place that I have meant to go, and I know that was, you know, on your list. It's very good. Um, very haven't good. gone there yet. I mean, you you rank beignets in your thing. I mean, you know, you <laughs> this is a this is a fantastic list. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Stock, I haven't been. I don't think I've been to any of those other than Sweet Peas. So, Joe, you got. I've got a lot. One. I've got a lot of work your, to do. What's your go-to in Nashville? I, I I try to make Butcher and Bee happen whenever I get to Nashville. But I uh, usually I'm like busy. It's kind of like Austin when I was living in Dallas. Like I ate a lot of good food in Austin, but I never made it to Franklin's because I just I didn't have the time. But if you've got one meal in Nashville, where are you where are you heading? Well, for barbecue, so, so Martin's. Um, is is becoming very popular um and pat martin you know he's very very well respected um memphis background uh but martin's the original is where i live in nolansville so that was like the first place we ate when we moved here and like the brisket burger just it's heavenly so i'm a big (laughs) fan of martin's it's also you know it's like a mile from your house so then you take things for granted i just went and I tweeted about this, and I'm embarrassed. I've been people have been telling me. Actually, people have been telling me at Butcher and B. I haven't been there yet either. There's so many things I haven't done, but I just went to Arnold's. You know, it's a meet mm-hmm. and three. It's just yeah. really good. It's a you know, it's one of those places that's open for like four hours a day on weekdays, and just you know, I had chicken fried chicken, greens, green beans, you know, pecan pie, and it was everything was just fantastic. And I looked at the menu, I was like, oh, tomorrow's pork chop day. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to remember that Wednesday's pork chop day. So Arnold's, I, I'm is my my friend, my former coworker Sean Windsor, works at the Detroit Free Press, was in town. He's like, and he used to live in Nashville. He's like, you've been to Arnold's? So we went, and uh, so I, I'm putting that number one. I, that it's just I love places like that. That little meet and three. I love a good meet and three. Yeah, that's that's just open for a few hours, and it's it's legit. I mean, everything I had was really really good. So I'm going to be all over that place. From now on, there are a lot of good places here. I mean, the Southern's really good. You know, City House. Monell's um, is like the family style. Like, you have to starve yourself for like 48 hours before you go there. But if you do go there, you sit at a table with a bunch of other people, and they just keep bringing out food until you, you know, beg them to stop. So that's uh, those are some of the places off the top of my head. I, I like to eat, but there are other <laughs> places that I need to, I need to check out. Yeah, I've uh, you've got me hungry. I'm ready. To eat. I'm ready <laughs> I know. To eat, so I'm ready to eat already. I think you know. I I do. I do need to issue an apology to Abridged, which my wife uh, not so subtly brought to my attention after I showed her the list, which that was a mistake. 
But Abridged was uh, rudely left off the list by myself. Uh, they have chicken sandwiches also. They have really good burgers. Uh, it's like a brewery. Highly recommend. Pretty cool little um, little patio. It's 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 on the list. And also, I did I did get a couple of the Popeyes chicken sandwiches last week. I listen. Yeah. Popeyes and Chick Fil A they can coexist, guys. We don't have to pit two great things against each other. It's, Were, you know, it's, did it's, you did it live up to the hype though? Because I still haven't gotten it. It's very yet. good. I waited forty minutes for the second one that I got uh, because I wow. went on. I guess I forget which day last week because um, this has been bubbling for a while. There's a there's an athletic <laughs> group chat, and I the the Popeyes had been made known to me previously, and then it sort of bubbled over into social media. But uh, you know they gotta they gotta figure out the supply and demand situation because it's uh, it's a problem to say the least. But if you get a chance, yeah. it's as good as advertised. But we don't we don't have to pit these two delicious chicken places against each other. They're they're both great uh, in their own right. Uh, I so like yes, that indeed. Well, Joe, I appreciate it. This is the first delicious episode of PFL Pod for Life. I'm gonna stop saying the full name of the show after this episode. So. You know, tell your friends. Although I, I think I said on our trailer, if you don't know what PFL, if you can't figure that out, this is not the show for you. But, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, folks will, will be on board. So, Joe Rexroad, my co-host from the Athletic Nashville, he'll be writing about the Vols uh, throughout the season. I'll be at the facility and covering the Vols every day, all year. Uh, so come check us out and subscribe to the Athletic. Joe, thanks for joining me. Look forward to this season. Come check us out. Uh, you can read our, or you can listen, read or read our stuff on the Athletic. You can listen to the first show of the week on Mondays on your favorite podcast purveyor of choice. But the middle of the week show, where I'll be joined by a different co-host uh, each week, um, that will be behind the paywall only for subscribers. So, again, Joe, appreciate it. Any parting words? Well, I, I just want to know, so are we going to finish with food every time? Because I think I need to prepare something. It depends, so on, how, it depends right. on if I've eaten any great meals. When I go on the road, like it's going to be, man, we uh, we had our company little uh, deal in Chicago this summer, and I ate at this Korean barbecue place. Man, listen, Korean barbecue is like my, is like my, it's like my number one genre right Love now. It. And there's just none in Knoxville, and it makes me so sad. But I think I think we're gonna put. Listen, if I've had some incredible meal somewhere, I'm gonna have to lead off the show with that. <laughs> with yeah. That. Well, you know what? Hey, I think that we I think that we should be committed to this. I'm gonna find the best Korean barbecue place in Nashville in oh, the meantime. Man. And so then, nice. when you come here, then then we'll go there and we can tell listeners about it. But yeah, I, th- I think that you know why not weave food into PFL. We got to. We got to. Well, Joe, thanks a lot. And uh, thanks thanks for listening, guys. We will see you again very, very soon.